This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Welcome to the Not Lukewarm Podcast with Deanna Bartolini, an author, speaker, and retreat leader who wants you to know your faith and live not lukewarm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Not Lukewarm Podcast with Deanna Bartolini. I am very excited today because I have a guest, and you know how much I love to have company on the podcast. My guest today is Christy Wilkins. And she is an author and a mom of six. I'm going to read her bio and then we're going to say hello to Christy. So Christy Wilkins is a wife and mother of six. She is a speaker and writer who lives outside of Austin, Texas. She blogs at faithfulnotsuccessful.com about disability, faith, doubt, suffering, community, and good reads. Her first book, Awakening at Lords how an unanswered prayer healed our family and restored our faith is a memoir about a pilgrimage she and her husband and her son took. And it was just published by Ave Maria Press. She is a dame of magisterial grace in the order of Malta and just started pursuing a second career in nursing. Welcome, Christy. Thanks for having me. So since I got my hands on your book and read your book, and of course, I follow you on Instagram as well, uh, but not in a creepy way. Don't anybody think that's creepy, okay? Um, I have just so wanted to interview you because your story of this pilgrimage that you and your husband and your son took to Lourdes, though our circumstances are entirely different, gave me so much hope and consolation. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. How did this pilgrimage, don't give all the details because I so want people to get a copy of your book. Um, how did this pilgrimage come to be? Sure, yeah, only a few spoilers. Um, <laughs> so our youngest son, Oscar, um, it was a very typical pregnancy and birth for him, but when he was five months old, he began having seizures. And at first, our doctors um, told us that everything was going to be fine, that most of the time these things were really easy to manage. But over the course of the next 12 months, uh, it became clear that Oscar was living on the, the wrong end of every statistic. <laughs> um, every time they tried to reassure us, uh, his was always the worst case scenario. And so I had been introduced to the Lord's Pilgrimage, <clears throat> excuse me, um, through the Order of Malta by reading the work of Mary Lenneberg, who's another Catholic blogger that I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with. Um, so I had known about the pilgrimage for many years. And once it became clear that we had really exhausted all of the medical possibilities for healing Oscar, um, I turned to the order of Malta and uh, tried to wrestle a spiritual healing out of God's hands. And so the, the book, I mean, obviously of course, Oscar, your son is a focus. But the other focus is really on your, your internal struggle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, no, I don't think, I know that's what resonated with me. I really tried to be very, um, very vulnerable and very honest in this book. Um, our son did experience uh, a, a lot of healing, physical healing from that pilgrimage, but for me, the greater miracle has always been what happened in my heart after Lourdes. Um, by the time we took that pilgrimage, it was just about exactly a year after Oscar's first seizure and my faith was in a shambles. 
And I know that I'm not the only person in the world who had what I would have considered a very strong faith, a very devout faith that, you know, we were regularly practicing Catholics. I, I considered myself, um, you know, a very pray prayerful and faithful person, but in the face of this challenge, my faith just crumbled. And that was a really scary experience for me. That was almost as scary as what we were going through with Oscar. The fact that, you know, when push came to shove, I felt like I couldn't hold on to my faith by myself. Um, and so the book is as much about that journey, my journey, um, and all of the miraculous healing that I experienced in Lourdes, um, mostly through the hands of the community that was supporting us there, is as much about that as it is about Oscar. So, um, you know, a lot of people might see the book initially and think like, oh, it's a special needs parenting book, or it's about it's only for, for Catholic parents of, of kids with disabilities. And I really try to write this book for anyone who is suffering or for anyone who is struggling with something really hard in their life, because I think we've all had those moments where our faith is tested and it's hard to move forward. I think that is so true that the, the book, again, I, I don't have our circumstances are very, very dissimilar, um, very dissimilar. <laughs> but I have had those moments where I thought, God, I can't go on. I, I can't do this. And I, where are you? Right. Where, where are you, Lord? Because I don't see you. I don't feel you. I, I don't hear you. What's going on? Um, and I really, I want to emphasize even when you don't feel, hear, or see God, he's there. Um, and there's actually a scene towards the end of the book where I ask Jesus that exact question as I'm sort of retelling the story of everything that happened to Oscar. And I'm asking in my head, where were you, Jesus? And this was at the end of the pilgrimage. And that was the first time in a year that I was actually able to hear the answer he was giving me both in that moment and all the answers he had been giving me all along that I was too tired and angry and lost and broken to hear as they were happening. And so I know there's this, this thing people like to say when people are suffering, which is that Jesus is so close to the people who are suffering. And sometimes it really doesn't feel that way in the moment. You feel very alone and abandoned and forlorn. Um, but that doesn't mean that he isn't there just because you're not feeling it in that moment. And sometimes, um, you know, some time needs to pass and some healing needs to happen first before you can look back and reflect and really see what God has been doing in your life all along. I think that is so, so true. So the subtitle of the book is how an unanswered prayer healed our family and restored our faith. So let's talk a little bit specifically maybe about your son and sure. what what happened? What was the experience for your son in terms of his physical healings? Right. Um, you know, I, I, we put the word unanswered in the title and on the one hand it's true. And on the other hand, it's a little bit tongue in cheek because God answers every prayer. He just doesn't always answer them the way we would like him to. True. True. <laughs> so, true. Very true. Know, I, um, by the time we took Oscar to Lourdes, he was about 18 months old. Um, but he, wasn't walking, wasn't talking, was fully dependent on us for all of his care 24 seven. Um, and it seemed very likely that that would be the case for the rest of his life. We really, we didn't know um, what his future was hold, but it was clear by that point that there were going to be permanent and lifelong disabilities at play for him. And so the prayer that I brought to Lourdes, um, as much as I 
as much as I wanted to be able to let go of this prayer, I just couldn't. I wanted God to heal him completely, wholly and completely and fully. Um, you know, I, there was a part of me that really wanted him to come out of the baths, walking and talking and saying mama and toddling around like a typical 18 month old child. Um, and so there was a very dark moment for me after that did not happen. Um, you know, I said at the beginning that I was trying to wrestle a healing out of God's hands. And after it became clear that that was not Oscar's story, and God had already told me that this was not going to be Oscar's story. I mean, I, I, I say that up front in chapter one. Um, and after the baths, I felt like, okay, well, that was our last, that was our last hope. That was our last shot. And it didn't happen. Um, and I really struggled for the next day or two to come to terms with that. Um, so much so that even though Oscar was showing us over those, you know, that same day or two that I was really struggling, he was showing me and my husband and everyone who was taking care of us there in Lourdes, um, how much healing he had experienced. His, uh, we had a team assigned to us called the pod. And one of the members of his pod, we sat down for coffee a day or two later. And she told us what she had seen happen in the baths. And I had missed it completely, but she saw a change in him that was so stark and so sudden that she said like she had tears in her eyes in that moment. And over the course of the rest of the pilgrimage, Oscar really woke up to the world around him. He was alert, he was engaged, he, he was doing things that he had not previously been able to do. And his godparents who live in Austin happened to be in Lourdes on a different pilgrimage at the same time. And they were astonished when they saw him. They were like, wow, he's, he's really different. <laughs> and, um, and every person who, who knew him and saw him after the pilgrimage said the same thing. And so um, that was one of the ways that God brought me out of that dark night after the baths, after I had sort of fallen, fallen prey to despair, was through the witness of the, of the people around me testifying to the changes that they were seeing in Oscar. Um, it really helped me to, to acknowledge what God was already doing for him. You know, it is, you, you bring up some important things. Um, when I will tell you that when I was reading your description of what happened in the baths, my heart was breaking and I am not, I am not an emotional person in general. Um, and I'm reading this partly because, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a grandmother. And so I'm reading it from that lens as well, not only as a person of faith, of course, but as, as the mom, as the grandmother, like, what do you want for your child? Right. And just reading that just broke my heart. Um, okay but in a good way, like, like in a good way, because then you go on to talk about exactly what you were just explaining that you started to see what God was doing. Right. And that his plan and, it, you know, granted his plan unfolds slowly and carefully, and we don't see it all at once, which is probably a good thing, though. We don't think it's a good thing. Um, his plan for Oscar is good. Just like it's, he has a good plan for you. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that's interesting that, that you talk about that, that you couldn't see really what was in front of you, but yet the community, the people around you saw what was going on and helped right. you to see it. Right. And I well, think and I want to, I want to talk a little more about that. 
um, that chapter where I describe our experience in the baths. Um, it was a really almost excruciatingly painful chapter for me to write, and it's still a difficult one for me to read. Um, so it's a really good example of what I was saying earlier that sometimes in the moment, <laughs> the thing you're experiencing feels terrible and you feel lost and you feel like God is not in the moment. And I really did not feel like God is, was anywhere in that moment. It felt very clinical and impersonal and rushed and just weird. And I, I tried not to take any expectations with me into the baths, but whatever expectations I did have were not met by that experience in any way. Um, but it's so abundantly clear, and it has been in the five years since then, that so many seeds were planted in that moment that are still to this day continuing to bear fruit. Um, I actually received an email two days ago from a woman who was on that pilgrimage with us. And she has worked in Lourdes every year for, I think she said 28 years. And she always works in the children's baths. And she told me that my experience is a very common one. And that often she goes out of her way to tell, to warn parents ahead of time because she sees that they are just overwhelmed and frazzled and not able to be present in that moment. Um, so I thought that was really, you know, really insightful and really touching for her to share that with me, to say that like, even if you're not feeling it, I'm seeing it <laughs> and I see the fruits of what happens afterwards and it's real. And because God is real and we, in our humanity, this whole, like our feelings can sometimes be so overwhelming that mm -hmm. we, we don't see what is in front of us. I, I certainly know that I've experienced that. And I think, um, so the fact that, you know, you wanted to wrestle a miracle, I love that image, to wrestle a miracle out of God's hands, right? Um, but there were miracles, there were big change, small change. And like you just said, you're still seeing the fruit of something that happened five years ago. Um, there's overall, when I, when I read through the book, the overriding theme for me, all right, now it doesn't mean that was your intention or that it will be other people's overriding theme, but it was really that sense of surrender and mm -hmm. yeah. surrender is hard. It's very hard, um, which is <laughs> like an, an understatement. I'm saying this to you, which is like a huge <laughs> understatement. I want to, I want to tell you the other thing that, that came through in the book is the amount of control that you wanted mm -hmm. to have, but knew you couldn't have. And so as I read the book, um, this quote for me summed up the book. It's on page for those of you who have the book, who those of whatever situation, this is the quote that summed up the book for me. I traded control for vulnerability. And I read that and I thought, you know, saying to myself that sometimes I am so foolish because I think I can't be vulnerable in front of God as if mm -hmm. God is unaware of <laughs> my vulnerabilities and my angst and my desires and my pain. And as if he's unaware of anything, he's not, he's aware of all of it. Right. And I read that and I thought, my gosh, how, 
how do you do that? And is that like, is it a one and done? Because I have my oh, no. answer. Oh, goodness. No. <laughs> it's no, right. I think it's a, it's a slow unfolding and it's one that you have to practice over and over again. Um, and I think there's actually value to practicing it against your will or when it doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel right. Um, even, even the half-hearted attempts that we make at surrender are actually really valuable, sometimes more valuable than the ones that we can make with a full and gracious heart. Um, you know, in our modern society, there's this desire to, to filter everything. And, um, you know, people ask you how you're doing and you say, I'm fine. Um, or if you are suffering, there's a, there's a there's sort of a movement to want to gloss over that immediately and to say like, oh, we're so blessed to have this cross. You know, how can we offer it up for you? <laughs> and I think it's really important to, to work through both of those knee-jerk responses to a place where you can kind of open your hands and open your heart to people and say, you know what, I'm not fine. I am suffering. And I'm actually going to offer my honesty and my vulnerability about that suffering as a gift to you, um, person whom I love, or you, God, whom I love, um, because I trust that you're going to meet me there. And by doing that, we actually offer each other um, a place to put that active Christian service that we're all striving to provide in the world, right? Like we have to have a place to put that service. And so by offering yourself and your wounds and your suffering, as a gift of vulnerability to someone else, you're letting them love you in that moment and you're providing them an opportunity to be Christ to you. And that though, as you said, in our society, we that's very hard because yeah. if, if someone shows me their pain, then I have to do something with it. <laughs> or if I show someone my pain, right, then what do you do? And so fine becomes a much easier answer. How are yeah. you? Fine. You know, uh, but I think, I think also sometimes we set too high a bar on what we have to do about someone else's suffering, right? Absolutely. Like, it's, it's not necessarily that you need to solve it for them or, you know, provide a fancy meal for them or say exactly the right thing. Sometimes the only thing that needs to be done is to say, I see you, I hear you that must be really hard. I love you. I can't make it better, but I'm going to sit here with you and we'll just sit here together for a while. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that also, it just comes from this sense of we have to make things better. Well, mm -hmm. we're not God. We, we can't right. solve people's problems. I mean, sometimes we can, I mean, sometimes it's a practical thing you can, but oftentimes it's exactly what you just said. The fact that someone will listen Right. And not offer a platitude. Right. That, that kind of goes hand in hand. At least it does. Yep. It does in my book. Right. Um, yes. Like, to listen and not offer the platitude. Um, and we've all heard them. And, and I cringe when I think that I've said them. And I always, oh, I know I've said them and I, oh. I still say them like it takes so much practice. I'm still not good at this. It, it does take practice. And thank God literally, that God forgives us all of those um, and still meets us wherever it is we are. And I think that is so, so important. Um, 
I have so many questions and I don't, I don't want this to be about all of my questions. Um, no, <laughs> just no, no, in, in general. Um, okay. And, and please don't answer fine. Um, how, how not only, how is Oscar doing? Like, so he's six and a half now. Is that my doing he's, the math? He's right almost now? six. He'll, he'll be okay. six on St. Nicholas day. Oh, fun. How fun. <laughs> um, and I have seen, I believe he's, he walks with a walker. Yes. Yeah. Instagram? He's okay. been working really hard in PT for the last couple of years. So wow. he can stand and take a couple steps when he really puts his mind to it. But um, like many of us, he <laughs> is sometimes content to not work as hard as he possibly could. But yeah, no, he, he has a walker at home now. He gets around. He's He's into everything. He loves our kitchen sink. That's his favorite place to try to, to grab and throw things <laughs> and play with the dirty water. Too bad you can't teach him how to do the dishes, right? Yeah, someday, <laughs> God willing. Yeah. So <laughs> it'll happen. It'll dishes. happen. <laughs> um, and then you also, you're, you're in nursing school. I am in full-time nursing school right now. Yes, that's a whole other Lord story. It did not quite make the book, but um, the the seeds of that plan were also um, planted on that 2017 pilgrimage with Oscar. So, okay, so I, full disclosure, I've never met Christy in person. I know her through social media and her book. And I'm going to say, I, you have six children. You have a husband. Um, you have, I, I've, Recently, you experienced some deaths in your family. Yeah. You've also, I know you still have your parents because I've seen them pictures and so forth. <laughs> They're around. So you, have, you have a really full life, right? That's a, that's a beautiful way of putting it. It is, it is a full life. <laughs> okay. And so here's, here's my question. So is that, is that really the miracle that you're able to do this every day? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think the only reason I'm able to do it is because I have tried to follow God's whispers when he's telling me to do something. So the book is one really good example of that. Everyone was like, I don't know how you found the time to do this. And I said, well, God was pretty clear with me that he wanted me to do this. And so I, I asked for help, you know, <laughs> like we found babysitting help and I, my husband and I worked together to make it a priority. And that's the only way that it happened. And it only happened because it was God's priority too. Um, I think Jennifer Froweiler, who wrote the forward for my book, she talks about this a lot about how um, if you really listen to the things God is putting on your heart and look at your life, he, he will help you find a way to make time to do those things. So um, God has, has cleared a lot of our path and moved a lot of mountains in order to make it possible for me to be in nursing school right now. Um, and it's only possible with the support of my husband and my children and a lot of babysitting help and my parents and we have we have a lot of community and you know if there's one thing i learned in lords it's to say yes when your community offers to help or to just flat out ask for what you need <laughs> i think that is a really important lesson because as christians if we we are called to community we are called mm -hmm. to community um, in, in Acts of the Apostles, it, it talks about how they, the other people knew the Christians were Christians because of how they lived and loved in community. Right. But I wonder, you know, again, going back to your comment, how like in our culture, we just sort of 
we want everything to be fine and, and we want to keep our struggles neat and tidy, that sometimes asking for help is really hard. Right. Well, and there's also, I think there's a lot of pride wrapped mm-hmm. up in the ability to be self-sufficient. Um, there's, I describe a praying stations of the cross in Lourdes, and there was a meditation that the priest offered us when we were praying um, the time that Jesus first fell. And he said something about how powerless Jesus must have felt because he couldn't carry his cross alone and how much he must have wanted to and how difficult it must have been for him to acknowledge that it was actually impossible. And that was another really important turning point for me to realize like even Christ couldn't do all the things he wanted to do under his own power. And obviously like that was the way that God willed it to happen, but sometimes God wills that to happen in our, or allows it to happen in our lives too. Um, and he, he's really forcing us to come to a place where we have to admit our dependence on each other, because that's the only way we get to heaven is by being dependent on each other. Yes. And admitting our dependence on each other and then also our dependence on God. Right. I think that's really key. I think um, I, I certainly came away with that, that deeper understanding after reading Awakening at Lords that we have to depend on God and, and that surrender. You know, when I asked you if the trading control for vulnerability was a one and done, if you, if you were said, if you had said yes, I was going to be a little frightened. Um, because <laughs> Well, and it's funny because you talk about, um, you know, the importance of admitting our dependence on God. And I also want to be clear about the fact that if you choose not to do that, he will let you make that mistake <laughs> for as long as it takes. Because I did, I really did for pretty much the entire year after Oscar got sick. I worked really hard to hold on to the reins and to try to keep everything under control and to do everything I could under my own power to solve the problem for my broken son. And God let me because I worked really hard to shut him out. Um, you know, I was still going to mass and I was still sort of saying my prayers by rote, but my heart wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't come where he's not invited. So, you know, if you are really determined to try to tackle your problems on your own, you can do it that way, <laughs> but it, do, it doesn't usually work out well. And for the most part, you're gonna end up circling back around to God in a much worse state than you would have been if you had just let him help you in the first place. Yeah. I think that's really, that's very profound is that God lets us do whatever we have free will. So we can solve our problems on our own, but ultimately it's when we come back around to laying them down and saying, okay, Lord, how, how am I supposed to do this? How do you want to help me do this? Um, And how can I let others help me? I think that's also very important because if we never let anyone help us, then we're, it is about pride. It is about control. It's about all of those things, you know, and that's yeah. difficult. Um, well, and just like we said, surrender is, um, you know, it's a constant process that we have to keep working on. I think it's also important to note that when you surrender something to God, he's not always going to answer you right away. And so I think that's something that I had had problems with when I was praying, um, for healing or for relief is, you know, the answers didn't always come 
as quickly as I wanted them to or in the way that I wanted them to. Um, and so just like there's the sort of constant process of having to renew that surrender, there's also a constant process of having to wait on God's timing for the answer um, because he will answer, but it might not be in the five minutes after you offer him whatever it is you're offering. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think that's really true. Um, I think that's very, very true. So any last ideas you want to leave listeners with before we go into the not lukewarm challenge? <laughs> um, I think sometimes it's easy to get stuck on the idea that pilgrimage is something that can only happen when we're really far away from home and we've re removed all our comforts and we're out of our element. Um, and one really important lesson of Lords for me didn't happen until about six months after we got home um, when Oscar had a really scary medical crisis. And I let our community here at home love us in the way that the Order of Malta community had loved us in Lords, And that's something that I had not done previously um, when he had had hospital stays and medical crises. And so I really wanna encourage everybody not to think about pilgrimage as some lofty thing that only happens once in a while somewhere far away from your house, but to remember that our whole life is a pilgrimage, home to heaven and home to God. And so we can use every moment of every day um, to offer the kind of prayers and the kind of works of mercy that, um, that we might only want to look for on a, you know, quote unquote, traditional pilgrimage that our whole life is a pilgrimage and we can, we can do those pilgrimage works in our everyday lives too. I think that is a really important thing to remember because again, it goes back to our, our culture often is looking for the big thing, you know, mm -hmm. the, the big, the big boom, the big explosion, whatever it is. Um, and it is our entire life is a pilgrimage, one that, of course, we hope that in the end, we wind up with God. And it's the little things we do every single day. You know, the small prayers, the small acts of mercy, the small acts of kindness. It's that's how we get to heaven. So I think that's so important to think about, um, especially as our world, you know, is still in, in a lot of flux in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe we can't do those big things, but we certainly can keep doing the small things. Um, all right. So do we have a challenge? Do you want to offer your challenge? <laughs> sure. I like it. Come on. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm scared to say these words out loud because they're, they're powerful and sometimes terrifying words to say. <laughs> but um, as you mentioned, our family has had uh, kind of a difficult year. Um, and that's true even by the standards of that year after Oscar first got sick. Um, this has been a tough one for us. We lost both of Todd's parents. We had several children um, experience some medical crises. And it's been very instructive and illuminating for me to be walking through the crises this time, kind of on the other side of brokenness and all the brokenness I brought to Lourdes. Um, and the thing that's been different, I think, is that I have been a little better at surrendering to each moment. Um, and so I wanted to offer the prayer of, I believe it's blessed Chiara Corbello. I'm not, I, I'll have to look that one up. I'm sorry, I didn't in advance, but okay. um, she had this beautiful prayer when she was, was dying of cancer at a very young age. And it was just whatever you want, Jesus. Um, and so that was when I used, when I spent several weeks in the hospital with um, one of our sons, 
it was a really scary time. There was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know exactly what was wrong with him. Um, at the same time, Todd's mother was very sick and in and out of the hospital. And so that was just sort of my exclamatory prayer that I would repeat over and over, just in any given moment, whatever was facing us, whatever you want, Jesus. Um, it's, it's a very powerful prayer to sort of ground you in the present moment. Um, and so I think that was one thing that I did better this time than I did with Oscar's situation as I tried not to get so wrapped up in the future and so wrapped up in controlling the outcomes, but really just to meet Jesus in each present moment and ask, what do you have for me here? Okay, let's do it. Whatever you want, Jesus. <laughs> I like that, that idea of keeping yourself grounded in the present moment, because when in the act of trying to surrender, oftentimes we can surrender that moment, but then we have to do the next one and the next one and the next one. And, and right. the what ifs, the what ifs pile up and they, that's sort of, in my, in my experience where your head gets all wrapped up in worry instead of that turning it over to God. So I love that, that little prayer, which is a huge, it's, there's few words. It's a huge prayer, but few words, right? Whatever right. you want, Jesus, Four <laughs> words, but very big. Um, so I, I really, I want to thank you. I want to encourage everyone. Christie's book is available uh, through Ave Maria Press. And I will, of course, drop links in the show notes to her Instagram and Facebook page and where you can also purchase the book. And uh, I just encourage you to take a look at all of those things. And, you know, Christy is definitely inspirational. I'm sure she doesn't go around oh, every gosh. day. Thinking, How can I be inspirational? But <laughs> she is. Um, and again, no, God, God working through Christy. <laughs> Maybe I'll give you that, but <laughs> all right. Well, you're letting him work through you, which is really cool <laughs> and really big. Cause so many people don't, I think um, this, is, this is definitely, this is God's book and God's ministry. So well, thank you for the opportunity to, to speak about it. That that's the best part of it. Right. Is that, um, that's what my, my favorite Saint, Saint Ignatius all for the glory of God. Exactly. Um, and so that's, that's what comes through. It really, really does. So thank you for that. And thank you for this beautiful book. And uh, I will pray uh, for your family and thank for you. healing and just that continual, continual surrender. So thank you <laughs> so, so always very a work much. in progress. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Not Lukewarm Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please subscribe or tell a friend or leave a review. You can find all show notes and links on notlukewarmpodcast.com. That's also where you can find links to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. If you have a topic that you'd like to learn more about or want to tell me how the Not Lukewarm Challenge went this week, please send me an email at Bartolini at mediaangels.com.